Hi, it's Amy Siskin of The Weekly List and author of the book, The List, and welcome to episode 123 of The Weekly List Podcast, which accompanies week 206 on The Weekly List website, theweeklylist.org, and corresponds to the week ended October 24th, 2020. Welcome. So first off, I want to address an administrative note. Uh, Many of you are potentially new to this podcast, having seen the Washington Post feature on the list last weekend and finding us from that. Um, There's been a lot of questions that have been sent to me about what happens if Biden wins. We are on week 206. That would be during week 208, which would be exactly four years, folks. Who's counting? (laughs) Me. Uh, So the plan is um, we will continue through inauguration of Biden should Biden win, either on election night or thereafter, in some format. It's not going to be in the same format as the current list um, because we're not going to need to pick up every nuance. What we're going to be tracking then are the not normal things that he's doing before leaving, but I'm not going to get into the weeds of his tweets unless there's some sort of executive order or whatnot. Um, It's really just ramping out and making sure he leaves and all the damage that he does on the way out. I'll be capturing in some sort of afterwards uh, might be the word that we'll use for it. So stay tuned. But in any case, it will continue until January 2021. Uh, we're going to talk this week, and I, I put up a photo to accompany this week. We chose the photo this week of one of Trump's rallies, which uh, is in the villages, which is a retirement community. So the highest uh, populate the population at highest risk during the coronavirus. Just to highlight, I I feel like I tweet about this every day and remark about it every day, but how unfathomable it is that the leader of our country during a pandemic, which we're going to talk about this week, is surging now, reaching record levels. When New York was at its worst and Michigan and Pennsylvania and New Jersey and Connecticut and Massachusetts were all spiking in the spring, the most daily cases we reached were 35,000. This week, we reached 85,000 in a single day, nearly. So, We are in uncharted territory of how bad this virus is and how uncontrolled in our country. And Trump, in the meantime, is holding these rallies. We're going to talk about some of the not normal things he says, but to me, the overriding not normal thing that is happening is he's holding these campaign rallies largely in states where the surge is the worst. Several of them are battleground states. Uh, He seemingly does not care. As you can see in the photo that accompanies this week's list, almost all of his folks attending these rallies are not wearing masks. They're not being required. They are standing packed together. They are not, as Leslie Stahl from 60 Minutes noted in interviewing him before Trump walked out, huge rallies. There were huge rallies in 2016 and in normal years where you could fill up a stadium inside and you could get 20 to 30,000 people. Uh, Trump showed us in Tulsa, that you can't do that anymore. People won't show up to those packed rallies indoors. So the outdoor rallies are, they're thousands of people, but they're not huge rallies in a way that's going to impact any change in this election. It's sort of giving himself something to do as the polls show his chances slipping. 
I just want to also mention Tulsa, which was at the end of June. And Oklahoma never recovered from that rally. In addition to Trump's friend who died, when he gave that rally, their cases on average were a few hundred per day. I think it was maybe three to 500 per day. Oklahoma hit 1.3 thousand cases last week. Continuing, it's been an upward trajectory since that um, rally that Trump held. You know, so, and we've had anecdotal evidence from other rallies that he's held that there has been spread and death. So it's hard to put into context how irresponsible this truly is outside of everything else that we're talking about, the, the surge, the number of deaths that could be prevented from wearing masks, that he continues to model this behavior. So I'm going to start off with that. And one thing you'll notice in the last couple of weeks, the list is getting shorter. And why is that? Well, Trump is more focused on the election, uh, the number of not normal acts and the amount of chaos that he perpetuates is smaller because he's busy trying not to lose in a landslide in this election and focused elsewhere. So there are still not normal things happening, but his regime as a whole is not as active in perpetuating these kind of things that we've discussed week by week. Um, so just an interesting sign. If he were, God forbid, to win, I'm sure it would ramp right back up. Uh, but barring that, we're just kind of slowly sliding towards what hopefully is the end of a very frightening era for our country. So I'm going to start off um, with a couple of stories that kind of caught my eye, and then we'll go through the week. One is on Saturday, the uh, American Psychological Association survey found that 68% of adults say the presidential election in the midst of a pandemic and social unrest is a significant source of stress in their lives. That's up from 52% who said that in 2016. And the study also noted prior to that, they didn't actually conduct studies because people were not expressing in therapy that the election was a great source of stress for them. So just notice that more than two thirds of Americans are feeling stressed out, highly stressed out by this election. Um, the survey, an expert who commented on the survey said that out of all the elections that have ever been held in the United States, perhaps five, maybe three, including this election, have had that level of stress for Americans, including the election that took place in 1860 during the Civil War and in 1932 during the Great Depression. So that is the company we are in this year. On Saturday, a study by Columbia University showed 8 million Americans slipped into poverty, or as some would say were pushed, during the pandemic as federal stimulus checks ended, and with Senate Republicans unwilling to take up legislation to extend them. On Tuesday, the New York Times reported an estimated 1.5 million New Yorkers alone cannot afford food in the pandemic and count on food pantries to get by where lines can be blocks long. Getting into this week on Saturday, USA Today reported the FBI is investigating whether the materials supplied to the New York Post by Trump's lawyer Rudy Giuliani is part of a disinformation campaign by Russia to target Joe Biden. On Saturday, ahead of the third and final debate this week, Trump attacked the moderator, tweeting of Kirsten Walker, quote, she's always been terrible and unfair. 
just like most of the fake news reporters. So Trump already managing, if he does not do well, managing expectations. On Saturday, AP reported rural Midwest hospitals are struggling to handle the inflow of coronavirus patients as rural counties across Wisconsin, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Montana topped the nation in the surge. Even amid the surge, Republican governors have been reluctant to act. In swaths of the region where Trump supporters live, people took their cues from wearing unwearing face masks from his cavalier attitude on the coronavirus. On Saturday, the Washington Post reported within weeks of the Sturgis motorcycle rally attended by 500,000 in the Dakota in 500,000 in South Dakota, the Dakotas, Wyoming, Minnesota, and Montana were leading the nation in new coronavirus infections per capita. The surge was particularly pronounced in the Dakotas. At least 330 cases and one death can be tied directly to Sturgis, but that count is likely a small sampling as there was no contact tracing and many with asymptomatic spread went back home after the rally and spread it there. So again, you see how one act, this huge rally that we commented on and talked about for many weeks, everybody went home from that. And now you have this huge outbreak in the Midwest, likely much of it coming from Sturgis. On Saturday, the Washington Post reported a domestic violence shelter in Wisconsin suffered board resignations and the loss of $250,000 in funding and police department departures partnerships after posting a Black Lives Matter sign. On Saturday, Joseph Zacharek, a police recruit in Lafayette, Indiana, was fired after an anti-fascist flagged his apparent participation in neo-Nazi internet form, Iron March, four years ago. Um, I just want to comment another thing we're going to talk about and we have been talking about is the amount of threatened violence relating to the election. We talked about what happened with Governor Whitmer um, and many other cases that there's voter intimidation, but also there's acts of violence that were tied in some cases to the protests that were actually carried out by the far right. But it's a continuing theme that we've talked about throughout the four years while Trump has been in office, but especially um, you've seen it especially come out in the light of day now towards the election. On Saturday, Trump held a cramped rally in Muskegon, Michigan at the airport. He said of Governor Gretchen Whitmore, quote, get your governor to open up your state and quote, get your schools open. When the crowd erupted into lock her up chants, Trump egged them on saying, lock them all up. Adding quote, so I guess they say she was threatened and she blamed me. 14 men have been charged with a plot against her. And we also know they were after uh, Ralph Northam, another governor, for liberating his state. Shortly after, Whitmer tweeted, quote, this is exactly the rhetoric that has put me, my family, and other government officials' lives in danger while we try to save lives of our fellow Americans, adding it needs to stop. Trump also said, quote, there was something very beautiful about, quote, watching everyone get pushed around in Minneapolis when the National Guard responded to protests around George Floyd's killing. And keep a pin in that one. We're talking about Minneapolis. There's a story relating to that, how Trump had condemned the thugs in capital letters that he believed were the people on the left for violence. But we're going to talk about that this week, too.
Trump added, quote, they came in, these soldiers, and they had their tear gas and they had their pepper spray, adding the forces, quote, marched forward and the whole thing was over, to which the crowd cheered. Trump also referenced Representative Ilhan Omar of Michigan, mispronouncing her name and saying, quote, she does not love our country too much and in fact, quote, hates it. He mentioned her three times. Trump also again pandered to suburban women saying, quote, would you like a nice low income housing project next to you in your suburban beautiful ranch style house? Lying, quote, I saved your suburbs. You're supposed to love Trump. I mean, the racism is just, it's not even like a dog whistle. It's just a foghorn. He's just, I mean, one statement after another, just pure racist. Trump also lied saying, quote, I read where the Democrats want to blow up Mount Rushmore. A lie he has told repeatedly, quote, they want to blow it up. They want to blow up the face off Mount Rushmore. Later Saturday, Trump held another rally in Jamesville, Wisconsin. Even a state official said Friday that cases were surging and the seven-day average was above 3,000 daily cases, the highest on record. Trump said, quote, you've got to open your state. You've got to open it and joked about not leaving office, quote, for four years, eight years, 12 years, 16. Adding, quote, now the story in the fake news will be he's a fascist. Trump also lied that his border wall with Mexico was almost finished, and he railed against refugees, adding more people, the Democrats want more people in, and they would open the, quote, floodgates to radical Islamist terrorism. I mean, if we want to talk about extremist terrorism, we know what it is in the United States. It's domestic terrorism carried out by Trump supporters. That's the facts. On Sunday, Lara Trump defended Trump for her for his lock her up chants about Whitmer on Saturday's rally, obfuscating and saying, well, gosh, I would like to show people my social media and the threats against me and threats against my children. When pressed, she said, quote, he wasn't doing anything, I don't think, to provoke people to threaten this woman at all, adding, quote, he was having fun at a Trump rally and, quote, people want to get the country reopened. Asked about her mocking Bidens for his stutter, Lara Trump claimed she had, quote, no idea that Biden struggled with his stutter, adding, quote, I think what we see with Joe Biden, Jake, is very clearly a cognitive decline. Again, a false assertion. On Sunday, Senator Ron Johnson, the Trump ally, falsely suggested on Fox News that the reason the FBI subpoenaed Hunter Biden's laptop was related to child pornography on the computer. Shortly after, CNN Anchor Jake Tapper tweeted, quote, It was always a fate incomplete that someone from Fox and someone in the GOP would start a QAnoning the race with disgusting allegations and zero evidence. So again, all of a sudden, this child pornography. Remember last week when Trump was cornered uh, by by Savannah Guthrie about his support for QAnon. He said, well, they do one good thing. They're against pedophilia. And voila. Here we have Ron Johnson making a comment about Hunter Biden's laptop, a false comment. On Sunday, the New York Times reported the New York Post story on Hunter Biden was mostly written by Bruce Golding, a Post reporter since 2007, who refused to put his name on it, citing concerns about its credibility. 
Many Post staffers also questioned whether the newspaper had done enough to verify the authenticity of the hard drive and also had concerns about the reliability of its sources and its timing. Top editors met on October 11th to discuss how to use the materials provided by Giuliani. Golding and at least one other refused to add their bylines. Emma Jo Harris did, uh, but she had her byline, that was her, did not have a bylined post article prior to this one. On Sunday, Michael Osterholm, a top infectious disease expert, told Meet the Press that, quote, the next six to 12 months are going to be the darkest of the entire pandemic, noting the surge without a vaccine until next year. Osterholm added that the U.S. is facing a messaging problem due to the lack of a lead voice to guide Americans, saying leaders need to bring people together to understand why masks and social distancing are worth doing. On Sunday, Twitter removed a tweet by Dr. Scott Atlas, Trump's top COVID advisor, sent on Saturday, which falsely claimed masks do not work to prevent the spread of coronavirus, saying it violated rules and policies. So this is the guy giving Trump advice, and he's a a quack. On Sunday, the LA Times reported four National Guard spy planes flew over four cities, including Minneapolis, Phoenix, and D.C., to monitor protests in the aftermath of the killing of George Floyd in early June. The fourth plane flew over El Dorado Hills, an affluent suburb of Sacramento, and home to Major General David Baldwin, the head of California National Guard. Governor Gavin Newsom criticized the operation. On Sunday, Trump held a rally in Nevada, where a crowd of 5,000 stood packed together at Carson City Airport with few wearing masks. Trump lied, saying, quote, that's even more enthusiasm now than we had four years ago. Trump said of Biden that he was from a, quote, corrupt political class and led cheers of lock him up, adding, quote, Biden is and has been a corrupt politician and the Biden family is a criminal enterprise. Things that we often hear about Trump, which are true about Trump. Trump also mockingly said that the Bidens would, quote, listen to scientists And, quote, if I listened totally to the scientists, we would right now have a country that would be in a massive depression. Trump also veered off into a monologue about water pressure, saying Americans have to flush their toilets 15 times, adding it's sort of gross to talk about, right? I will not talk about it. I will only talk about showers. And speaking about dishwashers, Trump segged into women voters saying, quote, suburban woman, please vote for me. I'm saving your house. I'm saving your community. I'll keep your crime way down. Trump also warned that if Biden won, quote, the Christmas season will be canceled. So again, I I, leave in this stuff about Trump's strange obsession with water pressure and light bulbs and shower heads and toilet flushing because it's just not normal. On Sunday, in an interview with 60 Minutes, Dr. Anthony Fauci said he was, quote, absolutely not surprised that Trump got COVID, citing his concerns with Trump not practicing social distancing or encouraging masks. Fauci said he now power walks with a security detail, saying he and his family have been harassed and threatened, calling it, quote, sad, and adding, quote, it bothers me less than the hassling of my wife and my children. Asked if the White House has controlled the media access to him, Fauci said, quote, I think you'd have to be honest and say yes. 
I certainly have not been allowed to go on many, many shows that have asked me. On Monday on a conference call with staffers of his campaign, Trump claimed, quote, people are tired of COVID and, quote, people are tired of hearing Fauci and all of these idiots and called Fauci a disaster. Trump said of Fauci, quote, there's a bigger bomb if you fire him, saying he's a nice man, but has, quote, been here for 500 years. Notably, Fauci is a civil servant who, under law, cannot be directly fired by Trump. Trump also attacked Fauci on Twitter, saying, quote, Fauci says we don't allow him to do television, but he also was on 60 Minutes, adding, quote, all I ask of Tony is that he make better decisions. He said no masks and let China in. Obviously, that's not true. Trump also tweeted that, quote, Fauci has a bad arm, adding, quote, he should stop wearing the Washington Nationals mask for two reasons, including, quote, Tony threw out perhaps the worst first pitch in the history of baseball. Notably, remember the whole thing about Trump supposedly inviting himself to pitch for the Yankees and then canceling because he was too busy and having nothing going on that day, because I'm sure he would have done wonderfully throwing out the first pitch. But I digress. On Monday, the Washington Post reported that since Atlas has got Trump's ear, he has shut down attempts to expand testing and openly feuded with other doctors on the White House task force and succeeded in sign-lighting them. Atlas has advanced fringe theories that social distancing and mask wearing were meaningless and would not have changed the course of the virus in hard-hit areas and advocated for herd immunity. Atlas also cultivated Trump's repeated false assertions that the pandemic was almost over and his willingness to falsely claim a vaccine would be ready ahead of the election. Infighting between Atlas and the scientists has plagued the White House task force, leading to distrust and inaction ahead of the surge, and some public experts say could lead to 400 deaths by the end of the year. On Monday, Mediaite reported Giuliani first approached Fox News to run with the story about Hunter Biden, but the news division turned it down. You got turned down by Fox News. Whoa. Uh, Unless and until the sourcing and veracity of the emails could be authenticated. On Monday on Fox Business, Director of National Intelligence John Radcliffe countered House Intelligence Chair Adam Schiff, who had said that Hunter emails were, quote, part of a Russian disinformation campaign. Radcliffe claimed on Fox News, quote, there is no intelligence that supports that adding, quote, we share no intelligence with Schiff or members of Congress that Hunter's laptop is part of a Russian disinformation campaign. On Monday, the Justice Department announced charges against six Russian GRU officers for a series of hackings and malware deployment operations to attack other countries, infrastructure, elections, and other actions. The indictment cited GRU's efforts to, quote, undermine, retaliate against otherwise destabilized Ukraine, Georgia, elections in France, the 2018 Olympic Games, and attempts to hold Russia accountable for nerve gas. The DOJ also noted several members of the GRU's role in interfering in the 2016 U.S. election and said the U.S. should ignore a recent offer extended by Russia calling for a cyber reset between the two countries. I'm glad they said that out loud because that's something Trump, of course, would have done. 
On Monday, the Texas State Board of Social Workers examiners voted to adopt Governor Greg Abbott's recommendation to allow social workers to turn away clients based on sexual orientation, gender identity, and disability. On Monday, the Wall Street Journal reported farmers were largely stick with Trump in the election despite his trade wars. The USDA projects it will pay a record $37.2 billion this year to farmers, and an additional $14 billion has been pledged. On Monday, at a rally in Prescott, Arizona, Trump attacked Biden, telling the crowd he, quote, wants to lock you down. He wants to listen to Dr. Fauci, then prompted cheers of lock him up. Trump added, quote, they're getting tired of the pandemic, aren't we? And, quote, you turn on CNN, that's all they cover, COVID, COVID, pandemic, COVID, COVID, COVID. People aren't buying it, CNN, you dumb bastards. Trump said of Biden, quote, I know people that would have liked to have locked him up for five, five weeks ago. Adding, quote, Bill Barr is a very nice man and a very fair man. And in many ways, it doesn't make some of us happy. In other words, he's saying he's not happy with Bill Barr that he hasn't locked up Joe Biden for doing nothing. Trump again complained about the debate moderator, saying of Walker, quote, she's a radical Democrat. She deleted her entire account. She's no good. Um, that's obviously not true. On Monday, Biden confirmed he would, in fact, listen to scientists, starting with Fauci, saying, quote, if I'm elected, I'll immediately reach out to Dr. Fauci and ask him to continue his incredible service to our country. On Monday, the U.S. Office of Special Counsel said it would investigate whether Secretary of State Mike Pompeo violated the Hatch Act by pledging to release Hillary Clinton's emails. On Monday, Navy Admiral Bill McRaven, who led the Osama bin Laden raid, endorsed Biden, saying even though his beliefs are traditionally GOP, quote, we need a president with decency and a sense of respect. On Monday, the Commission on Presidential Debates announced for the third debate the candidates' microphones will be muted during the two-minute opening remarks at the beginning of each 15-minute segment. Shortly after, in a letter to the, quote, BDC, Biden Debate Commission, Trump campaign manager Bill Stepien denounced the move, saying, quote, it is completely unacceptable and for some unnamed person to, quote, wield such power. Later Monday, Trump told reporters of the change in debate rules, quote, I just think it's very unfair, adding, quote, I will participate, but it's very unfair that they changed the topics, which they did not do. And, quote, we have an anchor who is totally biased, which, of course, is also not true. On Monday, Florida shattered its opening day record for in-person voting, with at least 350,000 people casting ballots, many waiting in long lines in the rain. On Monday, the Supreme Court ruled 4-4, with Roberts joining liberal justices, to let stand a ruling by Pennsylvania's highest court allowing mail-in votes to be tallied for up to three days post-election day if mailed by election day. On Tuesday, Trump continued his attacks on Fauci in an interview on Fox and Friends, again falsely claiming, quote, he's a Democrat and saying, quote, he is a little, he's a little bit not a team player. The co-host pleaded with Trump to change his debate strategy with Brian Kilmeade saying, quote, are you using anything different to get you ready? And Will Kane asking, will you change your strategy? Trump said, quote, well, Joe lies and he lies a lot. 
then switched to attacking Hillary Clinton, saying she, quote, was dirty and, quote, I mean, look at the emails and everything. I'm not talking about her. She was terrible. Trump again called on Attorney General William Barr, who has disappeared, by the way, in recent weeks, uh, to act against his political enemies before the election, saying, quote, he's got to act and he's got to act fast. He's got to appoint somebody. This is major corruption. Again, the president of the United States calling for, you know, publicly on Fox and Friends uh, for the attorney general to go after his political enemies. This, we, this is banana republic kind of level. Trump also complained about the Pennsylvania ruling, saying, quote, we got a ruling yesterday that was ridiculous, adding, quote, so we're going to wait until November 3rd and start announcing states? It's crazy. Trump also complained about the debate. See a pattern here? He complains. He goes on Fox and does, he goes on everything and complains. I mean, that's a, this is basically what this man has devolved into. He complained about the debate, saying of the commission, quote, these are not good people. And of the moderator worker, quote, Walker, she is very unfair and cannot be neutral at all. Again, no evidence of that. On Tuesday, the USA editorial board endorsed Biden, saying, quote, in 2016, we broke tradition in urging you not to vote for Trump. Now we're making our first presidential endorsement. We hope it's our last. The board asked if America is better off than it was four years ago, quote, beset by disease, economic suffering, a racial reckoning, and national disasters fueled by a changing climate. The nation is dangerously off course. On Tuesday, former RNC chair Michael Steele endorsed Biden, saying, quote, because I'm an American first, citing a litany of shortcomings, and that he is, quote, posited a single purpose on the GOP, the celebration of him. On Tuesday, a YouGov poll found 50% of Trump supporters believe the QAnon conspiracy theory, this crazy conspiracy theory. Overall, 55% of voters said they had never heard of QAnon, and 59% called it an extremist conspiracy theory. On Tuesday, in an apparent dog whistle to QAnon conspiracists, Acting Department of Homeland Security Chad Wolf announced, quote, a new center for counter-human trafficking. I mean, that's the second time we talked about Ron Johnson on Sunday, and now we have DHS Secretary Chad Wolf announcing that they are countering human trafficking out of nowhere. On Tuesday, McClatchy reported Pompeo addressed the Florida Family Policy Council despite concerns by his advanced team of overtly anti-gay flyers and that the anti-LGBTQ group promoted conversion therapy. On Tuesday, a spokesperson for First Lady, excuse me, Melania Trump, said she would not travel with Trump to a scheduled campaign rally on Tuesday in Pennsylvania, citing a lingering cough from COVID-19. Melania also has been notably absent from the campaign trail. On Tuesday, a CDC report found the coronavirus caused 299,000 more deaths in the U.S. than would be expected in a typical year. So although we're talking about roughly 220,000 Americans being dead, this report finds 299,000 more deaths than would be typical. Uh, Two-thirds from COVID and the rest from other causes. The report found the virus is taking a disproportionate toll on Latinos and Blacks 
and found that, quote, excess death rates for ages 25 to 44-year-olds was up 26% over previous years, the largest change of any age group. That's a young group. And again, Trump now always talks about how this only impacts older people. That's obviously not the case. On Wednesday, the Washington Post reported months after three college campuses reopened in La Crosse, Wisconsin, researchers linked infections that spread through the community and led to deaths in nursing homes. On Tuesday, Trump abruptly cut off an interview with 60 Minutes star Leslie Stahl. A person brief said Trump had spent 45 minutes with Stahl and the interview had not wrapped up when he wanted it to. And cutting it short, Trump missed the walk and talk segment of the interview and a segment with Vice President Mike Pence. Biden and VP candidate Kamala Harris taped a segment together on Monday. And guess what? They got through it. Shortly after, Trump tweeted again, you know, as I've been saying, all this man is doing right now is complaining and whining. He tweeted, quote, I am pleased to inform you that for the sake of accuracy and reporting, I am considering posting my interview with Leslie Stahl of 60 Minutes prior to airtime. He tweeted the interview was, quote, fake and biased, adding, quote, everyone should compare this terrible election intrusion with the interviews of sleepy Joe Biden. Trump also tweeted a short clip of Stahl at the White House, saying, quote, Leslie Stahl of 60 Minutes not wearing a mask in the White House after her interview with me. Much more to come. Stahl had worn a mask up until the interview started. The clip showed her conferring with two CBS producers, both wearing masks, just after the interview had abruptly ended. On Tuesday, AP reported of the $1 billion in campaign funds Trump plowed through, Using a web of limited liability corporations, $310 million in spending has not been accounted for. While outside groups are helping Trump in the final days, the Biden campaign is outspending him two to one, including the Trump campaign needing to cancel ads in Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Ohio. On Tuesday, an FEC filing revealed that Trump's campaign cash on hand had dwindled to $63 million at the end of September. So again, he went through over a billion, and I think it's important to just bookmark this one point that I just mentioned, 310 million is unaccounted for. Went through shell companies, LLCs, and we just don't know where that went. That's about a third of the billion dollars. On Thursday, the New York Times reported that despite Trump publicly saying in September that he would invest his own money if needed, he has not donated any money to his reelection campaign. On Tuesday, CNN reported after ignoring Trump's controversy, scandals, and inappropriate behavior and being in lockstep with his agenda in the final two weeks before the election, GOP senators fear a Trump loss. Publicly and privately, they are trying to distance themselves from Trump. Senator John Cornyn told the press he clashed behind closed doors with him, and Susan Collins avoided a rally by Vice President Pence in Maine. Um, They are both Cornyn and and uh, Susan Collins in tough races for re-election. On Tuesday, a poll worker in Shelby County, Tennessee, was fired after turning away voters who were wearing Black Lives Matter masks and T-shirts. On Tuesday, the Mendham Borough Republican Committee in New Jersey sent a letter to voters saying they will not be able to vote in person on November 3rd unless they are visually impaired. This is false. So I... I'm interjecting these kind of like snippets in there for the last few weeks just to illustrate that after all these weeks we spent of Trump saying there was massive voter fraud and this and that, 
every single case that we've talked about in this podcast and in the weekly list having to do with either voter intimidation or acts of voter fraud have been perpetuated either by Trump supporters or by the GOP local parties or state parties. We talked last week about the state party in California. Here we have a local party. On Tuesday, Trump held a rally in Erie, Pennsylvania, telling supporters standing, again, packed together, uh, quote, before the play came in, I had it made. I wasn't coming to Erie. I mean, I have to be honest. Trump added, quote, I didn't have to. I would have called you and said, hey, Erie, I know you have it a chance. Get out and vote. We had great things when we would have won and the greatest economy ever, greatest jobs, greatest everything. So again, Trump telling his own supporters in Pennsylvania, he wasn't going to come if he was winning. Uh, Trump said of Biden, quote, it's not his home state. He left you when he was nine, right? Adding, yeah, this is my home state. It's not his home state. I actually went to college in Pennsylvania. Trump added of Biden, quote, if you want depression, doom and despair, vote for Sleepy Joe. Adding, quote, and boredom. And, quote, nobody's going to be interested in politics anymore. On Tuesday, Miami Herald reported state and federal law enforcement are investigating a string of voter intimidation emails. So this is an important story. It started coming out Tuesday with local press. In, um, it, it was in Florida first that we were seeing this pop up with local press. Then Miami Herald picked it up to make it a bigger story, reporting state and federal law enforcement officials are investigating a string of voter intimidation emails purportedly sent by far-right hate group Proud Boys to registered Democrats in Florida. Remember, the Proud Boys are the hate group that Trump had told to stand by uh, infamously in the first debate. The email from address info at officialproudboys.com said, quote, change your party affiliation to Republican to let us know you received our message and will comply. We will know which candidate you voted for. Another email threatened, quote, we are in possession of all your information. You're currently registered as a Democrat. You will vote for Trump on election day or we will come after you. On later Tuesday, the leader of the Proud Boys denied involvement saying, quote, two weeks ago, I believe we had a Google Google Cloud Services drop us from the platform. So when we initiated a URL transfer, we kind of just never used it. CBS News and Vice News reported that the IP address associated with the emails, which was also sent to citizens in Alaska, came from an IP addresses linked to Saudi Arabia, the United Arab Emirates, and Estonia. On Tuesday, Cyber News reported a popular Russian hacking forum leaked the data of roughly 15 million Florida voters. The scrap data seemed to date from August 2018. It was unclear who leaked the data. Remember, that happened in 2016 as well. We've covered that in the early weeks of the list uh, with names of voters and voter rolls being left unexposed on the Internet. On Tuesday, the New York Times reported while Trump has painted Biden as soft on China and claimed Hunter opened a bank account there, Trump's tax records show he has a bank account and attempted business deals in China. As often happens, you know, just stepping back when Trump accuses his opponents of something, he himself is doing it. Trump spent a decade unsuccessfully pursuing business deals in China, including operating an office there during his 2016 presidential run. 
Really, you don't say. And 14, a partnership with a major government-controlled company. All of this has been undisclosed. The account is controlled by Trump International Hotels Management, which paid 188561 in taxes in China while pursuing licensing deals there from 2013 to 2015. He also has bank accounts in Britain and Ireland. In 2017, Trump's first year in office, Trump International Hotel Management reported an unusually large spike of $17.5 million in revenue, more than the previous five years combined. Really? You don't say. What changed in 2017? That year, Trump also withdrew $15.1 million from that bank account in China. On Wednesday, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi told MSNBC of the China account, quote, they can watch the flow of money and have some sway over the person. So it is a national security issue. Shame on the president. On Tuesday, CNN reported senior officials throughout various departments and agencies in the Trump regime said they are alarmed by a push to fast-track a lucrative 5G, 5G spectrum contract to a Trump ally. The White House, led by Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, has pushed to grant an essentially no-bid contract to Rivada Networks, a company in which prominent Republicans and supporters of Trump have investments. Trump was encouraged to help Rivada by Karl Rove. In August, a 70 megahertz of spectrum went for more than $4.5 billion. The Rivada request for proposal would be for more than 350 megahertz, five times that of spectrum. On Tuesday, according to a filing by the ACLU, lawyers appointed by the court said they have been unable to find the parents of 545 migrant children separated by Trump in 2018 under his zero-tolerance policy. The ACLU said, quote, it is critical to find out as much as possible about who is responsible for this horrific practice while not losing sight of the fact that hundreds of families still have not been found and remain separated. The ACLU added, quote, we will not stop looking until we have found every one of these families. The tragic reality is that hundreds of parents were deported to Central America without their children who remain here. On Wednesday, the Washington Post editorial board blasted the Trump regime for family separation, saying, quote, for all intents and purposes, these children were kidnapped by the U.S. government. The board also referenced, quote, the U.S. government that has tried to reunite these sundered families has, excuse me, has not tried to reunite these families, leaving it instead to a court-appointed body organized by the ACLU. On Wednesday, Meadows criticized Leslie Stahl, telling Fox Business, quote, she came across more like an opinion journalist than a real reporter. Meadows also lied, saying Trump, quote, didn't walk out, saying, quote, he spent over 45 minutes with Leslie Stahl. I've looked at every single minute of the interview and then some. We have tape of every single minute. On Wednesday, in a soon-to-be-released sequel to Borat, Rudy Giuliani was caught in a prank and could be seen in bed with his hand down his pants with a young woman posing as a female reporter. There was a lot more all over the internet about this story, but as far as not normal goes, that gets one bullet in this week's list. 
On Wednesday, Politico reported the State Department is considering labeling several prominent NGOs, including Amnesty International, Human Rights Watch, and Oxfam, as anti-Semitic. Pompeo is pushing for the declaration, which would cause an uproar among civil society groups and could spur litigation, eyeing a future presidential run to gain favor with pro-Israel and evangelical voters. On Wednesday, the UPSIG, USPSIG criticized Postmaster General Louis DeJoy's sweeping operational changes in a report, saying they, quote, negatively impacted the quality and timeliness of mail delivery across the country. Remember that? Remember the UPS? We're still all having our mail be slow, but we're all figuring out ways to get our ballots and our vote in, per- in person. The report also found documentation provided to customers and congressional leaders, quote, was generally accurate but incomplete, and that mail service provider performance dropped significantly in July 2020. On Wednesday, I mean, again, I just have to go back to like many of us were protesting in front of post offices. This is the stuff we have endured ahead of this election and during these four years. On Wednesday, the New York Times reported Trump ally Eric Prince recruited a former British spy to help in a secretive effort to hire dozens of operatives to train employees of conservative group Project Veritas. Job applicants traveled to Wyoming in 2017 to meet with the former intelligence officer Richard Sheldon for interviews conducted in a small town of Cody near the Prince family ranch. Project Veritas, known to publish deceptively edited videos, looked to build an intelligence-gathering apparatus to infiltrate Democratic congressional campaigns, labor organizations, news media, and others. On Wednesday, a Maryland man, James Dale Reed, who was 42, faced federal charges for allegedly threatening Biden and Vice President candidate Kamala Harris in a handwritten note. On Thursday, court documents revealed a North Carolina man, Alexander Treisman, who was indicted on child pornography, was also planning to assassinate Biden and commit a mass shooting during the holidays. So again, uh, as I talked about in the preamble, the, the amount of hatred and division being stoked by Trump constantly. Um, you know, we talked about in the opening his rally with mentioning Gretchen Whitmer and saying, lock her up. Uh, these constant attacks of locker up about Biden and Hillary and they need to be indicted. These all have consequences with his base. On Thursday, according to a report by the Center for Strategic and International Studies, white supremacist groups were behind most of the U.S. terrorist attacks in, two, in the first eight months of 2020. In fact, 41 of the 61 attacks were sponsored by white supremacist groups. On Friday, law enforcement, and this is another thing that you know, we've talked about in the beginning, federal law enforcement announced Ivan Harrison Hunter helped burn down and loot Minneapolis's 3rd Precinct building as part of a coordinated attack by Boogaloo Boys to try to ignite a civil war. Hunter opened fire with an AK-47 gun and screamed, quote, justice for Floyd as he ran away. So he's trying to impersonate that he was a far-left protester or a, a Black Lives Matter protester and part of a coordinated attack by the far right, by the anti-government group. Trump had blamed the left for this attack. This was one where he called the attackers on the Minneapolis 3rd Precinct thugs, 
And again, in his speech in Minneapolis, as we talked about in the beginning of the podcast, he had congratulated his National Guard who came in and used spray and force against these protesters. Now we know the the folks who carried this out were part of a far-right anti-government group. It seems to happen again and again. On Wednesday, the Justice Department opted to forego oral arguments at a hearing on whether the DOJ will be allowed to take over for Trump as a defendant in the E.J. Carroll's defamation lawsuit. The lawyer had traveled from Virginia, which is subject to New York, to a 14-day quarantine. The DOJ was given the option to find another lawyer, participate by phone, or submit paperwork, and chose the latter. On Wednesday, Trump issued his most sweeping executive order aimed at career federal employees, which stripped protections from employees involved in policymaking, allowing them to be dismissed with little cause. Under Trump's order, federal scientists, attorneys, regulators, public health experts, and many others would lose the right to due process. The White House did not say how many jobs would be impacted. And this, you know, and as often happens, and as we often discuss, this is a major sweeping change that got very little attention in the chaos. On Wednesday, Judge Reggie Walton ruled Trump's tweets on declassifying Russia probe documents will not trigger release of the Mueller report, saying Meadows' clarification amounted to a retraction. Later Wednesday, the Supreme Court ruled 5-3 that Alabama's ban on curbside voting can stay in effect. The majority did not write any explanation of why it voted to stay the lower court's injunction. Justice Sonia Sotomayor wrote in her dissent that voters with disabilities, quote, for whom COVID-19 is disproportionately likely to be fatal, should not be required to stand indoors to vote amid maskless voters. On Wednesday, The Hill reported the 10 Democrats on the Senate Judiciary Committee plan to boycott the panel's vote on Judge Amy Coney Barrett's Supreme Court nomination, calling it a sham process. In a statement, they said, quote, we will not grant this process any further legitimacy just 12 days before the culmination of an election that is already underway. Notably, more than 40 million Americans as of Thursday had already voted. The rules require 12 senators to be present, which the GOP would have, but also two members of the minority party in order to transact business. Chairman Lindsey Graham said he would move ahead without the Democrats, again breaking a norm. On Wednesday, in an an abruptly called news conference, Radcliffe, standing with FBI Director Christopher Reyes, announced Iran and Russia have obtained American voter registration data. There was no evidence election results were changed, voter roll information altered, or any nation hacked into voter registration systems. Rather, it appeared they used publicly available information, despite what Radcliffe was saying. Radcliffe said Iran used the data to send spoofed emails, pretending to be the Proud Boys, and claimed Iran had three goals, quote, to intimidate voters, incite social arrest, and damage President Trump. Multiple Democrats pushed back on Radcliffe's assessment of threatening emails being sent to Democrats. And we talked about the story, remember? I mean, how can that possibly be to hurt Trump? Uh, For those of us on Twitter, people were tweeting that they received these messages, and it was very intimidating for them, especially older people that uh, had received 
you know, threatening. You better vote our way or we're going to come get you. Somehow that's to hurt Trump. Anyway, so there was a lot of pushback from Democrats, um, including Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, who was briefed and told MSNBC he was, quote, surprised by Ratcliffe's remarks. Later, the House Homeland Security Committee tweeted, quote, to clarify, these election interference operations are clearly not meant to harm President Trump, adding Ratcliffe, quote, too often politicized intelligence. On Wednesday, armed men claiming to be security guards with the Trump campaign stood outside an early polling place in St. Petersburg, Florida. The Trump campaign said they did not hire the men or ask them to be there. But again, it's another just you know, all week. Everything that's happening that's voter intimidation or anything that's happening that is voter fraud is being perpetuated by Trump supporters. On Wednesday, Obama gave a scathing takedown of Trump in Pennsylvania, saying he is, quote, incapable of taking the job seriously and has shown, quote, no interest in helping anyone but himself and his friends. Later Wednesday at a campaign rally in Custonia, North Carolina, Trump mocked Obama, saying after he won, quote, the only one more unhappy than crooked Hillary that night was Barack Hussein Obama. That's what Trump did multiple times that night when he's trying to be his most racist self, which is, you know, very common these days. He likes to use Obama's middle name. Trump said, quote, somebody said, sir, maybe this isn't good. President Obama's campaigning for sleepy Joe Biden, adding, no, it is good. There is nobody that campaigned harder for crooked Hillary Clinton than Obama. On Thursday, Democrats on the Senate Judiciary Committee skipped the hearing and filled their empty seats in the committee room with posters of people who risk losing their health insurance if the ACA is overturned. Graham held the vote nonetheless, with Republicans voting 12-0 to move the nomination to the full Senate, saying that was their choice. It will be my choice to vote the nominee out of committee. On Thursday, 795 economists, including seven Nobel Prize winners, opposed Trump in an open letter, saying one term in, he has rendered the U.S., quote, unrecognizable, and quote, faced no consequences for doing so. They cited a, quote, sustained assault on democracy, a fumbled response to the pandemic, and the spread of, quote, dangerous misinformation, and called Trump, quote, selfish and reckless. On Thursday, Trump attacked Fox News for polls showing him behind in three battleground states, tweeting, quote, Fox News polls are totally fake, just like they were in 2016. I am leading in all the states mentioned. That, of course, is not true. On Thursday, Trump tweeted a 37-minute, unedited version of the 60 Minutes interview on Facebook, days before its scheduled broadcast, writing, quote, look at the bias, hatred, and rudeness on behalf of 60 Minutes and CBS. So again, he thinks he's front running this. He's releasing his interview with 60 Minutes. The interview started with Stahl asking, quote, are you ready for some tough questions? And Trump responding, quote, no, I'm not. And showed Trump in getting increasingly agitated and hostile as the interview went on. When Trump said he was creating, quote, the greatest economy in the history of the country, Stahl said, you know, that's not true. When Trump said, quote, we tell people to wear masks, she said, no, you don't. Trump boasted of his rallies. Stahl said, you used to have bigger rallies. Trump said on the Post story, quote, it is one of the biggest scandals we've ever seen and you're not covering it. And she replied, quote, because it cannot be verified. 
When Saul asked about Trump repeatedly asking suburban women to like him, Trump called it, quote, fake news. And Trump claimed, quote, I said that in a joking way. The way that you have it is like I'm begging, I'm kidding. Of course, he's not kidding, and he's been saying it for weeks, and he is begging. Stahl told Pence that he and Trump had insulted 60 Minutes, saying both were, quote, not answering our questions and instead, quote, giving set campaign speeches and adding, quote, I'm upset. Shortly after, CBS News called the decision to disregard their agreement and air footage, quote, unprecedented, saying the pre-election interview was one, quote, which presidents have participated in for decades and said the interview would still be aired on Sunday as planned. Shortly after, Trump again complained about the debate moderator, saying, quote, look at the bias, hatred, and rudeness on behalf of 60 Minutes and CBS. Tonight's anchor, Kristen Walker, is far worse. On Thursday, more than 47.5 million Americans have voted 12 days ahead of the election, already eclipsing the total early vote of 47.2 million in 2016. Registered Democrats outpaced Republicans roughly 2 to 1. On Thursday, the New York Times reported FBI and Homeland Security officials say Russia poses a bigger election threat than Iran, based on having infiltrated Russian networks to piece together their plan to interfere in the election. Russia's state, Russia's state hackers have targeted dozens of state and local governments and aviation networks starting in September, and were believed to be operating under order of Russia's Federal Security Service. Officials believe Russia plans to interfere in the final days or immediately after the election day in an operation that would help Trump by exacerbating disputes around the results if the race is too close to call. Officials said there is no evidence that Russians have changed any vote tallies or voter registration information, but rather had penetrated the state and local computer networks without further action as they did in 2016. Officials noted the Russian and Iranian activity could give way to, quote, perception hacks, which create the perception, excuse me, create the impression that they have greater access to voting records than they actually do to prompt inaccurate charges of fraud. Security experts said the Proud Boys email campaign attributed to Iran did not appear to rely on publicly available data excuse me, appear, did appear to rely on publicly available data, not hacked data. One expert said he was not convinced it was Iran based on evidence produced so far. Shortly after, the Washington Post reported Trump has repeatedly discussed firing Christopher Wray after Election Day, as Trump has become increasingly frustrated that federal law enforcement did not deliver an October surprise. Conversations between Trump and other senior aides primarily focused on Ray, but Barr also has not done what Trump had hoped, to indict Biden, Hunter, and other Biden associates who are under investigation. In recent weeks, Trump has intensified calls to jail his opponents, including Biden, as much as he did with Hillary in 2016. Trump wanted an announcement 11 days prior to the election, like the Comey letter in 2016. In a letter to Congress, an assistant FBI director said the FBI, quote, can neither confirm nor deny the existence of any ongoing investigations or persons or, or persons or entities under investigation related to the post story. And again, 
in normal times, which Comey violated, the 60 days prior to the election, the DOJ is not supposed to make public pronouncements, and that Comey's letter shows us why. On Thursday, the Southern Poverty Law Center published 83 hours of calls of more than 100 participants leaked to a white supremacist group, the base, about hosting paramilitary training and bringing firearms. So again, another example. On Thursday, the New York Times reported the worst coronavirus outbreaks are now in rural areas. Almost all of the counties with large outbreaks had populations under 50,000 and nearly all in the Midwest or Mountain West. On Thursday, Trump attacked Obama as Obama announced another campaign stop for Biden, tweeting, quote, Obama's campaigning for us. Every time he speaks, people come out on our side and vote. Trump also lied, tweeting, quote, finally, suburban women are flocking to us. Quote, saying, quote, they realize that I am saving the suburbs and, quote, I terminated the regulation that would bring projects and crime to suburbia. I mean, it's hard to overstate. Trump keeps saying this and he brings up Cory Booker, who's a black senator, how completely racist this is. These regulations that he keeps referring to are for affordable housing. So he's first of all assuming that all of suburban women are white, which is not true. Although in his worldview, we are all white and we're all housewives. But he's also assuming that people are against having having affordable housing in their communities, which is also a lie and extremely racist. I mean, this is something. This is like a half century ago. Some of the stuff that he's referring back to. Okay, that's my little offshoot. Trump also tweeted ahead of the debate, quote, wow, today's New York Post story on Joe Biden's corruption is a monster. And quote, this isn't going away, lying that even lamestream media was starting to cover it. They were not starting to cover it. Biden's communications director told the Wall Street Journal that if at the Trump debate, that if if the debate Trump attacks vice president's family, I think we will be very, very clear that what he is doing is amplifying Russian misinformation. On Thursday, last minute, Trump brought Anthony Bulinski, a former business associate of Hunter Biden, to the debate to discuss with media an alleged business deal involving a Chinese firm that involved Biden. At the final debate, Trump toned down. So again, remember when he debated Hillary four years ago, he brought these women that were victims, supposedly, he said, of Bill Clinton. I mean, so this was his big thing, that he was going to bring a former business associate of Hunter Biden. It got very little attention, seemingly like with this whole New York Post story and with all of the aftermaths, our media is learning to verify first. Uh, At the final debate, this time Trump toned down, and the debate was more like a typical discussion of ideas. However, Trump's performance was riddled with lies, and Biden stretched the truth a few times. On the pandemic, Trump lied that the coronavirus was, quote, going away, and lied that we have a vaccine ready, lied that 99% of people recover from COVID, and claimed he was, quote, kidding when he suggested ingesting bleach. Trump also lied that he banned travel with China in January and again lied that Pelosi was dancing in the streets of Chinatown. Trump also lied that Biden received $3.5 million from Russia. On immigration, Trump lied that separated migrant children arrived with, quote, bad people, lied that the children were, quote, so well taken care of, and lied that immigrants, quote, never come back for court appearances. 
Later Thursday, the Wall Street Journal reported text messages provided by Bubulinski, the one who Trump brought ahead of the debate, mostly from the spring and summer of 2017, did not show either Hunter Biden or James Biden discussing a role for Joe Biden in the venture. So there goes that. On Friday, NBC News reported the U.S. reported a record 77,640 new cases on Thursday, topping the previous record of 75,723 set on July 29th. There are also 921 deaths on Thursday. On Friday, Fauci told MSNBC that Trump had not attended a White House Coronavirus Task Force meeting, quote, in several months, and that he does not have Trump's ear as much as Scott Atlas right now. On Friday, the New York Times reported the Trump regime shut down a vaccine safety office last year, the National Vaccine Program Office, which would have played a key role in assessing the long-term safety of COVID vaccines. Health and Human Services tried to downplay the concerns, saying, quote, the office was not closed, but merely merged the, uh, with the infectious disease HIV policy office. On Friday, a new study published by the journal Nature Medicine found universal mask use could prevent nearly 130,000 deaths of the 500,000 deaths that are predicted by March 21st. The findings follow a tweet by Atlas we talked about earlier in the week, which was removed by Twitter, that said that masks are ineffective. On Wednesday, the CDC also updated its guidance to recommend masks in public settings, including public transportation. But again, as we've talked about in the picture of this week, Trump is holding these huge, these not huge, these rallies where people are packed together, thousands of people without masks. And now we're being told if people did wear masks, we could save over 100,000 lives, but still nothing. On Friday, in defending Trump on separated families, Trump campaign spokesperson Tim Murtaugh lied, telling CNN, quote, in many cases, the parents do not want the children returned. Just disgusting, these people. On Friday, Politico reported Judge Emmett Sullivan ordered the Department of Justice to reduce to conduct a review in the Michael Flynn case and certify by Monday that none of the other materials filed in court have been manipulated. The order came after the DOJ acknowledged two documents it had filed, handwritten notes by former FBI officials Peter Strzok and Andrew McCabe, were altered, they said, quote, inadvertently, to include inaccurate dates. On Friday, the New York Times reported Pennsylvania's attorney general said the Trump campaign has been videotaping voters at ballot drop boxes in Philadelphia, warning that the tactic could amount to voter intimidation. The Trump campaign made a complaint to the city on October 16th, saying they had surveilled voters depositing two or three ballots at drop boxes. The campaign included photos of three voters dropping off ballots. Again, that's illegal. It's voter intimidation to be surveilling this way. On Friday, Majority Leader Mitch, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, who is 78 and running for re-election, told reporters there was, quote, no concerns about what appeared to be bruises and bandages on both his hands in recent days. On Friday, Trump appeared at a rally in the retirement community, the Villages in Florida. Trump repeated, quote, please, please love me, suburban woman. I want you to love me, which he had claimed in the interview with Lizzie Stahl he was kidding about. 
Trump attacked Harris, saying, quote, look, we're not going to be a socialist nation, and the U.S. can never be have a socialist president, but especially a female socialist president. Trump added, quote, American seniors must come first and lied about Biden, saying, quote, did you hear him last night? Oh, I'd lock down the country. Biden actually said he would shut down the virus, not the country. Later Friday, Trump held a rally in Pensacola for thousands of supporters packed closely together, mostly without masks again. Trump lied, saying, quote, Biden will delay the vaccine. Close down your schools. Trump also lied, saying the country is, quote, rounding the turn with or without a vaccine, saying there would be 100 million doses by the end of the year, saying, quote, we understand the disease. I know it better than you. I had it. On Friday, the Milwaukee Sentinel reported Wisconsin Republican lawmakers and top GOP aides are facing a coronavirus outbreak in recent weeks following in-person events and that they are trying to keep it under wraps. Wisconsin is one of those states where Republican lawmakers went against their governor, who is a Democrat, when he tried to impose measures that would have slowed the virus. Uh, Now Wisconsin is seeing a record amount of cases. On Friday, the U.S. set another record of more than 83,000 new daily cases. The number of hospitalizations also spiked by 40% in the past month. On Saturday, Politico reported Trump's top advisors have plunged into paranoia and finger-pointing, come for campaigns that believe they're going to lose, but happening at an uncommon level in his campaign. Advisors are questioning Brad Parscale for spending, Meadows for mishandling Trump's hospitalization, and Trump for not taking fundraising seriously and losing seniors by painting Biden as senile. On Saturday, Ivanka and Jared threatened to sue the Lincoln Project, a group of anti-Trump Republicans, over two billboards up in Times Square, New York, depicting the two of them on topics relating to the pandemic. Ivanka's image is next to the words, quote, more than 33,000 New Yorkers and 221,000 Americans have died. And Jared saying, quote, New Yorkers are going to suffer and that's their problem. Unfortunately for Jared, he actually did say that. So with that... Signing off, we are now, as you are listening to this, nine days away from the election. As you are listening to this, nearly 60 million people have voted already. Uh, Over 40% of all the Americans who voted in 2016. The American people are speaking. Stay tuned. And as we wind down to hopefully what is final days, stay safe.